Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. For Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Welcome to the Gravel Notes Podcast, the World Rally Championship headed to Ypres in the Flanders region of Belgium. 20 stages, 281 kilometres down the the narrow, twisty tarmac with drainage ditches never more than a few millimetres away from dragging you off the road. Boy, did they this weekend. We're going to get into that. A very distinctive rally to watch. Long straights, tight junctions, and seemingly impossibly late breaking points at times. So going into the event, a 94-point lead for championship leader Cali Rovampera. The big question... Could he bounce back, extend his lead? Could Thierry Neuville use his home advantage, looking for a home win? First win of the season as well. And could Oitanek follow up victory last time out with a 17th career victory? Let's get that answered on the Gravel Notes podcast today. I'm joined by Tom Howard. Well, it is your show. After all, Tom, you've just got, you've just got home and you had company this weekend as well. Yeah, we've just, just got back from Belgium. Obviously, we had our social media guru, uh, Michael Haffenden, with us Uh this weekend to give him a first uh, sort of experience of, of WRC on, on the ground, which was was nice to be able to share that with him, uh, given all the hard work he's put in on our, on our WRC socials this year. So, yeah, it was a pretty epic rally. Uh, certainly plenty of talking points, which I'm sure we'll get to soon. Which was won by Oit Tanak coming home 
first, followed by Evans in second, Lappy in third, and a career best finish uh, for Solberg in fourth. We're going to get into a lot of stuff today. Uh, but first of all, uh, Tom and uh, well, I'll call you Half because that's what we do in the office. It's felt very formal introducing you that way. Uh, Tom and Half, just tell us about uh, what it was like heading out there, particular to, to, to Belgium. I mean, I grew up in, in East Anglia, which geographically isn't a million miles away. It's all the same, I guess, <laughs> geology. So I kind of grew up on farm roads, single track roads. That just is an amazing place to watch rally cars. Some people even say it's a little bit characterless. I couldn't disagree more. What did you make of this weekend's rally and the win by Tanner? I think we'll let we'll let half start with this as he got the first chance to to see these cars up close. Yeah, it was, it was absolutely brilliant. I know, uh, like you said, some some drivers or some people might describe the rally as lacking a little bit of character because it's not as flowing as some of the other places we go to. But certainly, as we found out this weekend, Belgium can bite, and when it bites, it really bites hard. So the the jeopardy of of the stages it really adds to it. Also, just frankly, how narrow the roads are really, really caught the drivers out. And it even caught us out when we headed to Shakedown on on Thursday. Uh, We drove one of the stages they would use later in the rally. And even just keeping a road car on those roads can be slightly challenging, especially when you've got oncoming traffic coming the other way. And you get to see the ditches and you get to see the cuts that are just so synonymous with Belgium's roads. And it's just, yeah, it's such a challenge for for the drivers and uh, for me personally to get to see uh, WRC cars especially the new Rally 1 cars in action for the first time mm-hmm. yeah okay maybe they're not giving it 100% full gas in uh, in shakedown but it's still pretty special uh, to get out there and experience the the more visceral side of the sport because rallying is is still so so visceral you you we're we're trudging through uh, fields of crops to get down to the shakedown and when we got there you're hearing pops and bangs in the distance. You know the cars coming, you're seeing dust fly up. It's just such a great spectator experience. And even for Shakedown, uh, the village it was in was absolutely packed. WRC had sort of invaded uh, a farmhouse for a temporary service park. So it's just almost like a time capsule, but you're here with these brand new hybrid Rally 1 cars showing the future, and then you're, you're going back to all these old farm roads. So... Yeah, kind of juxtaposed together, but it was just a, a brilliant experience. What was that like on Shakedown? Because at the beginning of the rally, there was you know a lot of thought about you know when the rain comes, not an if, but when the rain comes, being on the right tyres at the right time, and um, it's just going to throw everything up in the air. And in the course, in the end, weather didn't play a huge part this weekend. But what was that like at the beginning of the rally when you were watching Shakedown in person? Yeah, I think um, well, first we should we should say obviously congratulations to Titanic because. We'll get onto it, but it was a, a genuinely remarkable win from him. Um, obviously, he picked up uh, the pieces when when Thierry Neuville crashed out, and we'll, and we'll get to that. But he still had to deliver uh, a solid drive throughout on, and perhaps surroundings that when we don't really associate Tanak with in you know in, in tarmac, he's he's more of a gravel specialist. He can win on that surface, but you know his his most most memorable wins come on gravel. So that that was a, a really impressive victory. But yes, going to your point about the rain. And shakedown, it was it couldn't have been hotter uh, or drier. So the conditions were, you know, extremely different to what the teams were expecting. So very difficult to prepare for rain when you're shaking in bright hot conditions. So um, it was an interesting one. But as you say, the teams were adamant that rain was coming. And if you looked at the forecast, it was eighty percent chance of precipitation. So it looked like it looked like it was going to happen. But it really was only patchy showers on the Friday. 
And unfortunately, the M Sport boys probably copped the worst of it, uh, which is is unfortunate for them. But you know, the, the rain didn't arrive. And the the sort of telling factor about the rain in Ypres is that, uh, as Adrian Formo said to us prior to the event, he said this is this will be the hardest uh, tarmac, you know, a wet tarmac event on on the calendar if this happens because, as you said, the roads are so narrow and slippery. And uh, his point was. If you want to win this rally, you will crash because you just cannot push. Because if the moment you push, you will you will end up in a ditch. So yeah, it was one of those ones where they they couldn't really prepare for it because um, the conditions weren't what they were expecting. And in the end, the conditions were actually pre- pretty dry throughout. So the shakedown did prove to be quite relevant for for setup for going for the rest of the rally. Yeah, of course, where there were rallyings about 30 kilometres or so from Adrian Fomo's house. So he knows he knows the area. But a massive Friday crash last year that he would, uh, I don't know if it plays on his mind or not. And and the other driver to watch could have been Craig Breen as well, uh, winning in 2019, a runner-up last year when it was this event was part of the World Championship. Um, but like you said, we'll talk about Oitanak and another back-to-back win, 17th career victory. But we can't do that without talking about how he inherited some leads now he didn't inherit the lead uh on stage two which is what we'll get to first which is a massive massive crash for Robin Perra a really big talking point early on uh in the rally talk us through uh what happened what you saw and uh and what you spoke to him afterwards about yeah I'll, I will bring Hafen on this in a minute because it's worth having his reaction to this too because we were both watching it from from the media center um it was a really bizarre situation where, you know, it looked like the usual Cali Robin Pera show. He won the first stage of the event. You thought, oh, okay, here we go. It's, uh, he's, he's up and about and ready. And then he got to the start of stage two. And then bizarrely on the coverage and all that you, that were bit, what was being played in the media center, we could hear raised voices from, from inside the GI Yaris, which is most unusual because, uh, Cali and Johnny Halt- Johnny Halton and the, the co-driver, are extremely cool, calm, collected guys that you rarely hear them raise their voices, even when they're even when they're celebrating. You know, it's not it's not it's not super loud, but they were clearly upset with something, and no one could really quite understand what was going going on. And the stage was delayed for some reason, and there was no no communication coming to us as to why it was being delayed or anything. But um, Two times they cut to inside the car and they were clearly agitated with something that had gone on. And we, at this point, we're none the wiser. Anyway, so eventually he gets into the stage and it's, and it's one of the most, I mean, he looked ragged and he does, he's always quite ragged anyway, but this, this didn't feel quite right. And, and I said, I literally said to, to Michael next when I was sitting next to him, I said, I'm not quite confident about this. And I'll bring you in now because you were, you were quite the same, weren't you? Yeah, we were both very on edge. Um, even from the moment we heard the agitation from inside the cockpit and there was a big question mark as to what was going on and we didn't really know until later on. All we knew was, uh, we got the impression it would fire up Cali because like Tom said, he's been calm, cool and collected all season and, and his... Yes, he's a, he's still extremely young, but his wiseness just extends way beyond his years. And, and he's been able to cope with immense pressure. So a stage delay feels like something that shouldn't be throwing him off. And he even said that to the media afterwards. Um, he ended up getting quite far into the stage, progressing. Like Tom said, it was ragged. It was almost... 
we we're used to seeing Cali on the absolute limit. We had a moment in Finland where he literally made his co-driver yelp in fear because he thought they were going off, and then he was laughing about it afterwards. So this is the kind of character we're we're dealing with here. But it felt different this time. Tom and I were both on edge watching him, and it almost felt like a matter of time before something did happen. Uh, there was. Um, a moment where he sort of dipped the left rear wheel and nearly could have got caught in a ditch. He got away with it. Uh, footage emerged later on, some fan footage stage side where he'd uh, got all four wheels off the ground, cutting a right-hander. So he was he was really, really on the limit here, um, which is kind of, like I said, that's what we used to see Cali doing, especially this season. And he, he he's, you know, he's getting away with it. But it, when he did go off, it was obviously a shock, but we weren't fully surprised because we'd had this horrible feeling of this doesn't this isn't this isn't going to end well um which is such a rarity to have for Cali this year because even when uh, and I know I, I liked the way uh, Tom put it after Estonia that he'd run out of superlatives to describe Cali's driving at the minute which I think was just the perfect way of putting it even when you're so used to seeing him deliver those performances you have a confidence watching him yes you're almost speechless but you're you're kind of like this you know he's he's been pretty bulletproof this season this is the first real mistake and like i said belgium when you do go off here and get caught in a ditch as we've seen from not just cali's incident but many roles throughout the weekend it's yeah it bites hard and unfortunately that was his rally over before it had really begun even though he won the first stage yeah, that's, I think the, that accident was certainly shocking if you've seen it because he, he, hits, he hits a ditch and rolls several times. The car's completely destroyed. The, you know, they climbed out through the front of the car because the windscreen wasn't there and, and it was just a it was a wreck. They were lucky to sort of land on their wheels, really. Um, but yeah, it, lucky, they were both obviously fine, which is great and good for the testament of the safety of these cars because that's certainly one of the biggest shunts of the year we've seen. Um, so... That was good to see, and then you have to take your credit. Um, you have to take your hats off to the to the Toyota mechanics for repairing that car because they uh, they they managed to get it done in, in the four hour limit, which they're given. Um, finished at quarter to midnight on um, on Friday night, so he could return on Saturday, and only the engine, the uh, fuel tank, and uh, the chassis were were untouched. So you can understand what a lengthy and big job that was. And he would pick up some points as well, uh, just towards the end of the rally. So he did come away with something, right? Yeah, well, that's the classic thing with Cali. Is you know, we even sort of said, "Oh, is this going to damage his confidence? Like, is he going to be? Is this going to rattle him?" First stage back in the car, wins the stage, and all those fears have sort of gone away. And then on and on Sunday, his his main job is to win the power stage. He does it. So it's yeah. it's, it's almost like normal service was resumed uh, once once he was back on it. Um, and we, I say, other, another couple of big offs that I want to get to on the way to talking about how Tanak would win this rally. Um, uh, and some other things to mention as well. I saw Katsuta early on in the rally switch to electric mode to get his, uh, his Yaris home, which I thought was pretty quick thinking. Did you see that? Yeah, was that like was... A few hundred, was... mi- hundred metres away from the end. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that was a, a pretty bizarre moment. And like you said, some some really quick thinking from, from Taka. Um his his main thing has been the consistency this season. And as Tom pointed out to me at the end of the rally, he's now the only driver who has finished in the points at every rally. I believe that's correct. That, that now, correct that, yeah. now that Cali has had, uh, obviously, didn't didn't uh, finish in the points 
Um, so yeah, quite a bizarre moment for for Taka and and one of those. Uh, I guess it's a key skill of being a rally driver, right? You have to be able. It's not just about being able to be fast over a stage and keeping it clean over a stage. It's how do you react when things go wrong because things do inevitably go wrong. You might get a puncture and have to stop roadside. And uh, yeah, Taka unfortunately had to deal with that pretty early on in the rally. So he wasn't really ever going to feature for the podium positions, which actually ended up being pretty significant given the substantial rate of attrition we saw. Um, So Mm. yeah, a difficult moment for him. And then another big off, you know, I mentioned in the intro, and we, we're getting to it. I did mention in the intro, these ditches, well, they will just, man, they'll pull you in, uh, pull you into them. When I say ditches, by the way, uh, you know, we're not talking, we're talking about a big set of drainage ditches in many, many places. You know, you could stand up in them and you wouldn't be quite head height to the road that you just came off. We saw Craig Breen have a big off as well. We saw the, the fans uh, coming out with their watering cans to put out a little grass fire uh, because of that crash. And they said in the commentary as well that there should have been a hay bale where he exactly where he came off. And it kind of looked like the Formo had come through ahead of him and actually sort of bounced off that hay bale, um, sort of bounced him back on the road. So what happened with Craig Breen and another big off? Um, yeah, I guess, and just to follow up on your point there, I, I certainly wouldn't want to fall into one of those ditches. Um, they are extremely deep, um, so yeah, you know, yeah, yeah I, I don't want to, don't want to go anywhere near those. They look absolutely treacherous. But yeah, so what happened was on stage ten, um, Craig had already he's already a minute down, almost a minute down at this point. He'd been absolutely unfortunate because he got caught out in the rain, the, the patchy rain that arrived in the morning, and then. He elected to go to wet tyres for the afternoon because everyone everyone thought the rain would come and it never arrived. So he was on wet tyres on dry stages and lost even more time. So it was like a double blow for him. Um, so, but on Saturday morning, stage 10, he's, he was up on the splits in stage 10, faster than Rotten Pera. And you're thinking, okay, it, this, is, this is now where Craig starts his charge up the leaderboard. This is where he's going to uh, show why he's so good at Eat Per Rally and, and a former winner. And he was going. He just was going too fast for a left-hander, unfortunately, and, and just got caught out. The hay bale that was m- removed by Formo, who had gone through previously, wouldn't have saved him in this case. The way that he'd entered the corner, he was coming at a different angle. It wouldn't have stopped him from going to, into the ditch. So there's it, that's that we can sort of quash that now. But he he just ran slightly wide, and unfortunately, the ditch ditches here will just have a habit of catapulting cars into into quite. Um, you know, quite violent rolls, and it and it went over very a fair few, few times before actually sort of landing on its roof, and they sort of crawled him, uh, Craig and Paul Nagel, crawled out uh, obviously unscathed, which is what we want to see. Um, crawled out and were okay, but clearly uh, devastated by by what is a third accident in a row now in rallies, which you know it's just it's just so hard to see that from someone like Craig, given how well he was going last year at the same event. So, you know, clearly confidence is down with him at the moment and it's such a hard thing to to correct. Like, I, I can't sit here now and tell you how to do it. I'm not a rally driver. I've not been through it. It's not something that I don't think many people can qualify to be able to sort of give an answer on. But clearly there's something needs needs to happen for him because it's just it's just not it's not working out at the moment, um, which is really sad to see. But yeah, as you said, the the, fan, the fans came out in their droves. So, you know, they're very passionate fans and they're, they're watering cans to come and help, you know, and they tried to do as much as they can to push the car back on it to its wheels so it was easier for them to recover it. 
Uh, Gus Greensmith even came through and stopped to help uh, as the stage was red flagged because obviously it was quite a serious incident. Um, so yeah, again, it's just it's just heartbreaking for Craig and, and for Sport because he is the team leader. So there's a lot of pressure on him to deliver results and unfortunately. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Unfortunately, things, things are not going well for him at the minute. And then on day two afternoon, that's how we get uh, Tanak taking the lead of the rally. Um, but at the point, Neuville was properly in command, right? He had about a 17-odd second lead. He didn't need to be pushing as hard as he did. He slipped off the road, and Tanak uh, could capitalise on that. And at that point, uh, Evans was about eight seconds behind. But it was that uh, that day two afternoon Newville shunt uh, that changed the uh, the lead of the rally. Yeah, so this was actually a really really fascinating point of the event. I guess you could argue this maybe started straight after Cali uh, had his incident on Friday morning. But it really, you felt the atmosphere switch to a sense of this is really open now. Um, you're, you're not sure which way this is going to go. Obviously, maybe your money's on Thierry with his local knowledge, but he had a, a sort of overshoot slash half spin on the very first stage. He'd already lost some time there and was semi-playing catch-up from Friday onwards. Um, and then it looked like uh, Elfin was in a commanding position, but both hind eyes were catching. And then you had a transmission issue for Oit Tanek. So they were all battling. And also it's worth noting that both Oit and Elfin had... Uh, slow punches on the Friday as well so they were all battling their own issues here so the impression that uh, you might get that from the outside if you maybe hadn't caught the action and you saw Robin Perez out means Tanak sort of inherited the win is actually almost totally incorrect because each driver um, really had to battle to be in contention but saying that by the Saturday afternoon after a little bit of back and forth engagementship between the two high and die boys which was quite uh, made for some good social clips, that's for sure. Sort of, um, I think Thierry was asked at the stage end about uh, Tanak's issues, and he said, "Well, if if Oit's having issues, then I'm running on three cylinders." So they were kind of playing a bit of mind games with each other there, which was really entertaining, as well as the sort of action on the stages, which was getting pretty fraught. They were both really pushing, as as it showed when uh, Thierry just didn't expect this sort of. It's almost painful to watch his incident because he's he's it's. You could argue maybe Breen and, and Robin Perez incidents were they were higher speed, but they still weren't really really flat out. Like you could you could have a really big off like we saw here last year, but Thierry's was the slowest of the bunch. It was understeering off at a sort of square left hander, um, which ended up he just explained it was a lot more dirty than than he really expected it to be, and he just couldn't get the car back. And you can see that from the replay. He has got so much lock on that car for so long, just begging it to go left. And he almost makes it out. If, if he'd, you know, he said um, to the media afterwards that he, with hindsight, he would have uh, pitched the car into a spin to avoid the accident. But of course, that's the beauty of hindsight. But uh, yeah, it was another shocking moment. And just another, after all these issues that I just mentioned, another moment where the media centre was just in shock because 
how many more twists could this rally take at this point? <laughs> yeah, Tom. Yeah, and of course, and you know, you know, being the local as well, you kind of you can feel a sort of a collective sigh and you know gasp from all the people in the service park and and in the media. Like it was a big moment because they're all expecting Thierry to deliver like like he did last year. So yeah, it kind of you kind of felt sorry for them because obviously that's what all the fans want. They want a Thierry victory. They don't want to see him in the ditch, but. Uh, and then it was quite quite interesting the fact that you know you had hordes of fans trying to get this pull this car out of this ditch and they got it out like they were jumping on the rear wing trying to pull this thing left right and centre to get it back on the road and they did actually get it back on the road but there was too much damage to the front right on the car and you know sadly he had to literally pull over in an access road and accept defeat really which uh, you know but in Thierry being Thierry you know when you do talk to him or when you, you do see him afterwards he's very. He's very positive. He's always looking forward. Never really sort of throws his toys out of the pram, you know. Because you you could argue like he could absolutely go ballistic himself for that. But when when he's when the camera's on, he's like, "Yep, yeah, it was all very cool, calm, collected, and, and looking forward already." Which is you have to give credit to Thierry for that because that that takes some doing to be able to hide or at least contain that anger. Yeah. Because to throw it off the road in front of all those expectant fans as well, and yeah, I can't imagine what that feels like. But uh, yeah, it was definitely heartbreaking for the, for the locals. So we lost our championship leader, our rally leader and stage winner. Then we lost Craig Breen, who was 2021's winner. Then we lost Home Hero, uh, who was 17 seconds up the road from everybody else. And that is how Oitanak managed to capitalise on his teammate's demise. And from then on, he had an eight-second lead ahead of Evans at that point. Uh, th- that gap was pretty much maintained. But it could have been the other way around. You mentioned about Ev- uh, issues for Evans. He had a penalty at one point as well. Let's not remind him about that because that could well, that could have given him the, the, the win. Yeah, that's a very good point. We should talk about Elfin. Um, throughout the rally, and it's just been a sort of recurring theme, he's just not gelling quite as well with this car as he was last year but again it follows a similar story of he gets better and better as the rally goes on he gets more confident finds the setup that he wants and and by the end of it you 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 kind of wish you know, i wish he had that kind of drive at the start because it could have been a completely different event um if you look at the time of the deficit between him and tanak at the end it was five seconds and you have to remember he had 10 seconds of that was it was a penalty so you can see you would take that penalty away. Um, it, it could be a different picture, but we should also mention that that was a very rare penalty. It was a co-driver error from from Scott Martin, who who we'll watch, we'll hear from on Gravel Notes uh, in a next podcast when we talk about the the co-driving feature that we're going to do later uh, this month. So we'll we'll hear in depth from him just how tough this this gig is, but. Yeah, in this situation, he made an error that you probably would make once in four years. It's not something that ever, you know, it's such a rare mistake. Uh, so, so Elfin rightly wasn't wasn't too critical and didn't did not really criticise Scott at all and just said that these things happen. This is one of those things that just happens. So, um, fair play to Elfin for that because that you know you what someone could you know another person could take that completely differently and say well that cost me the victory, but he did not go down that route at all. Um, so fair, fair play to Elfin for that. But yes, um, he performed really strongly. And you have to remember, this is his fourth second place finish now. And, and when you think about what we were talking about earlier in the season, when we were like, this is not going well for Elfin. Um, he's now probably one of the most consistent uh, performers. Um, he just hasn't had that victory. He's had four second places, which is more than anyone else. 
<laughs> so he just he's getting closer, but he just can't quite get there. And when uh, he's been beaten by what Rothenberger and three of those, and now Tanak in one, so uh, yeah, he must feel like, what have I got to do to get a win? And let's hear from him now, talking afterwards on catching. Tanak, let's have a listen. When did you realise you couldn't catch an Elvin, or was it a case of pushing right to the end? Well, I knew already it was a bit of a long shot, you know, I think. Uh, of course, I had to keep the pressure on to, to try and for, force a small spin or an error, which, you know, is easily done in, in the conditions we had. Um, I knew that eight seconds in, in 50k is not, not so easy, barring any mistakes, and if I draw well, so uh, it was just a case of doing the best job we can, be solid, and, and make sure that we were there all the way through just to capitalise if he made a small error. Uh, so that's two on the bounce for Tanak now, third win of the year. What was he like when you spoke to him afterwards? Very interesting, actually. Uh, I think Oit's such a fascinating character and uh, to finally get to see sort of how he interviews in person was actually uh, kind of one of the highlights for me of the weekend. Um, I find him pretty fascinating as a guy. He's... Uh, I think obviously it's remarkable what what he's doing in that car to have notched up three wins now. If you consider where High and I were, even how downbeat he was after his home rally at Estonia, you you would you would not say he would have gone on to win the next two rallies uh, after that point. And actually, he was the interesting part for me was he was pretty insistent that the team and the car had made very little progress and they need to be doing more. That that was the sort of overriding feeling obviously he was he was massively happy to win the event um but he was also under no illusion that this means you know inevitably he was getting questions about the turnaround and the progress high and i've made and he was sort of downplaying it and i don't i don't feel it was downplaying it in a way that some drivers do to sort of take the pressure off because you know he's pretty much aware that the title is is out of reach at this point. So there's no real reason for him to go and say, unless, you know, if he was in a title battle, toe-to-toe with Cali, he might try and take the pressure off himself a little bit by saying, try to have the pace, they've got the faster car, I'm just doing what I can do. But yeah, it was fascinating to hear him say, you know, we need to be doing more, um, even though he's, he's just had the back-to-back wins. But I think it's a fair enough comment uh, given all the issues that he's he's you know if you look at Finland he had to drive absolutely on the limit every single stage and somehow pulled it all together and somehow didn't drop it off the road although at times it, he did come pretty close and at, in Belgium he had to overcome slow puncture he had transmission issues and uh, like like he said at the end he was he was fighting against Toyota and and he still firmly believes that Toyota has the faster package um, so it's it's definitely still an uphill battle for all the high and eye drivers and certainly in Oit's eyes. So I don't think it can be downplayed. And Tom made a very, very good point that of the full season drivers, obviously discounting Loeb's Monty win at the start of the season, that's now only, <laughs> there's only two drivers who have won rallies and it's, it's Cali and it's Oit. That so it just shows the level that those guys are performing on because... You know, we're not short of talent in the WRC, but there's only two full season drivers who have been winning events week in, week out. So it's just, it's really quite a pleasure to see the form that those guys have right now. And we've not mentioned Espec Alapi very much, but uh, another trip to the podium for him. Tom, how do you make his rally? Yeah, for Espec, as, as we obviously talked about the last 
Uh, last uh, podcast, he had quite an eventful, uh, to put it mildly, finish to Finland, where you know he ended up with no roof, no windscreen, goggles on, and after a visit to a lake to fill up the radiator in his car. So you know it was such a such a bizarre situation. But speaking to him on Wednesday, when we we asked him like, what are your expectations for the en- for the event? He said, I just want to finish with my roof and my windscreen. So um, he was, <laughs> and he did, and, he, and he, did. he did. Yeah, he did it. <laughs> so, so we should. He should be proud of that. Um, so, yeah, no, he, he was. He was very. He's such a cool character when you when you do get the chance to talk to him. But yes, uh, his ex- expect, expectations were low. This is not uh, his sort of rally, shall we say? It's um, it's quite a unique rally, and this doesn't probably fit into his uh, what you'd call favorite event uh, or list of favorite events, but. What he, what he did do brilliantly was just uh, avoid trouble. Uh, and that's what that's the key to this rally, as we as we said at the top of the podcast with, with Adrian Formo, is that if you can just avoid trouble, there's a good chance you'll get a result. Um, so that's exactly what Lappy did. The only sort of real, he had a couple of, couple of little scares, hit a fence post on Friday, but it didn't really do anything to just remove some of the, the rear bumper, not, not a roof uh, destroyer or a windscreen destroyer like Finland. So, um, yeah, no, he, he did brilliantly. And, and for someone who's not in that car every every week, um, he's making he's making this uh, part-time driver job look very uh, very handy for Toyota because he's, he does seem to be very reliable, which is, um, which is what you want when you've got a car, when you've got a driver coming in to sort of share that car with, with Ogier. So... Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say uh, a very impressive performance from Lappi. If there were, the pace wasn't, you know, the outright pace wasn't there, but the the skill to navigate these roads and, and, and get a result out of it was. So, and, and after after Finland, that's that's another podium. So it's two thirds in a row now. So that's a great great bit of form for Respeka. Uh, talking of form as well, uh, hopefully the start of a good patch for Oliver Solberg, uh, Oliver and co-driver Elliot Edmondson, a career best fourth finish in the WRC. You caught up with him afterwards uh, to ask him what that was like and the best weekend yet, you asked him. It's, uh, it's first of all a relief, I think, uh, after, after such a tough year. I mean, we've had some very good speed all year and, and been so close to good results many times, but I, I, I think it was it's nice when everything you know, finally worked as a package and, and also from my side it was, was just a very clean weekend and I could really put my head down and full focus on the driving. The best way I'd describe it is he looked hooked up. I think it was just a very mature performance. Um, I think obviously Finland, we know, rattled him. You know, he was in tears after that accident and let's remember he, he crashed out on stage two on the first corner, which is like, you know, an absolute nightmare scenario for him. Um He's in his rookie year, so you know he he needs confidence, and and that's a surefire way of destroying it. But clearly, he's dealt with that brilliantly. Uh, he may have dealt with it in a quite bizarre way, as we found out on Wednesday, where he said he just jumped on a quad bike and drove for forty kilometers at full speed at his house to try and get rid of the anger and disappointment of of Finland. But it, clearly, it seemed to work. So maybe he needs to get that quad bike out again when he has a when he has an accident. So um, he, yeah, very mature performance, did not make a single mistake. And that is the mark of uh, how you get, as we said, how you get through this rally. Uh, didn't really make a single mistake and was just there to pick up the results when they arrived. And, you know, so of course, the, the attritional rate of this rally, many, he, uh, you know, climbed to fourth, but he deserved that. He absolutely deserved fourth because it was a very impressive performance to come back after 
what had happened in Finland and to deliver that, your career best result, that's a great statement to put out to everyone to say that I'm back, this is, this is what I can achieve and also a statement to the team to say, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You know, we should keep keep behind this young guy because he's got a future. Excellent. All right. Look, we've talked uh, about uh, Formo and Breen and, and I mentioned Gus Greensmith, uh, who always, at least he seems to have fun when, he, when you go on the onboards and stuff, like chatting away. Um, but <laughs> there's no point in having fun if you're not bringing home results. Let's talk a little bit about M Sport. Um, you told me before we started recording actually, that they didn't even do sort of the usual routine after uh, after an event. What's going on there? Uh, I will bring half into this. I know he's been quiet, but I will bring him into this one as well. But I'll just start by saying, yeah, um, yeah, extremely difficult, difficult weekend for M-Sport. Um, this is, I think this might be a sort of an dear moment for their season in a way, because we have to remember that we, they came, like, I was genuinely thought, this was going to be a really strong year for M Sport at the start of the year. The, the car had been tested more than perhaps Toyota and Hyundai. Certainly Hyundai tested more than those guys. So it was more sorted than, than at least one of their rivals. So, and, you know, started in the best possible fashion with, with Monte Carlo. And, and now I know Sebastian Loeb won the event, but you have to remember Craig finished third and Gus finished fifth. So that's three of the cars in the top five. That has not happened since. So it's a, it's a really, really big come down for those guys. In fact, I think it's only Craig has got a podium at Sardinia, um, which was a very, very good drive. And a second place finish there was, was very, very well done. But other than that, top fives have been at a premium for, for Sport. They just haven't had results. And it's been a mixture of bad luck, but it's also been a mixture of driver errors. And, and it's now sort of swaying in the favour of driver errors for the last few rounds, um, so yes, it's. I, I mean, I don't. I don't know how the team uh, can deal with that. It's. It's such a difficult one. They've tried, sort of trying to, to g up their drivers by putting pressure on them to deliver, and they've tried to say no, just relax and get the results. But either way, they're still not getting the results. So there's quite a significant, uh, I'd imagine, regroup. That will happen and in, an internal investigation uh, early this week to try and work out where where to from here. How how do we how does the team get through this patch? Because it's it's clearly a, a difficult difficult run for them, and it's they're not a, they're not a fully manufacturer back team, so their resources are limited compared to Toyota and Hyundai. They're sort of fighting a bit of an uphill battle against those guys and. They need uh, they need sponsorship and money from sponsors to to keep this project on the road. And when you're not delivering the results, that I'd imagine becomes more difficult to ensure that the the, the funding is there. So it's a serious issue that needs to be resolved, and they need to start getting some strong results in the last four rallies. I think they they have to. Um, 
they've got to do something. I don't know what they do. There's obviously, you know, people can say, oh, why don't they bench drivers? I'm not, I don't believe that's the answer. Um, I think that just creates more pressure on them for when they come back or if they do come back, it just it sends for me the message, a, a very sort of nasty message out there. And and the team, Rich Millen, the team principal, was quite keen to, to sort of quash that by saying that, you know, that's probably not, something we want to go down the road of. So, yeah, extremely difficult times for them. Um, I'll bring Haf in because obviously he's he got to see sort of the reaction of that in the in the, uh, in the service part, but it's difficult to watch, wasn't it? Yeah, it's really, really tricky to see the the level the team morale is at now. And I think even if you, you wipe away from memory how unlucky they've been and the results that they haven't got up to Rally Belgium, if you just isolate that and look at this event... They were very clear heading into this that they needed a result with, with the context of how their season has gone. Since the high of Monty, there hasn't been much to write home about and they're all aware of that. So the brief going into the weekend was, let's bring it home and see if we can get a result. And I know this is partially with hindsight, but we had the two favourites crash out. So this was a golden opportunity to get someone like Breen on the podium, to get someone like Gus or Adrian in the top five because... They, they have to start bringing results home. And when these opportunities come up, and, and as we've seen with, with guys like Cali, that doesn't happen often. He's not making those mistakes regularly. So you have to capitalise on them. And the same with Thierry. It's his home event. He was bulletproof and absolutely untouchable here last year. So, of course, you're not expecting that going into it, but you have to be in the fight. And I'm not underestimating just how difficult it is to, to keep these cars on the road on such a challenging rally. Of, of course not. And I'm not saying for a second that I know what's right or how to approach things but it's you do get to a point where you do need to just go into the mode that Lappy went into and the mode that Oliver Solberg went into where they're just saying okay I don't have the outright pace but I'm just going to have to keep this thing on the black stuff and then maybe just maybe I'll be able to bring home a result and like Tom said it is now it's difficult to watch because you do get to a point where you start to think of the future and you wonder what the solution is but it feels like they've almost exhausted all of their different approaches so far this season so it's it's gone beyond head scratching to uh, almost a bit of desolation after the rally where they were just almost lost for words and just everyone was keen to have a break for a few days and then revisit it because they with that sort of emotionally burnt out with the whole situation. So, yeah, it's really, really difficult to watch, and especially for Craig, because we, we know he's 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 gone well here in the past, obviously 2019, and getting the podium here last year. So I think that one's really going to hurt, and I think it's, it's a small factor, but he was setting the best split times on that stage. So what does that do to your confidence if you're a driver who, when it's just coming good, then it goes again? I, I, I genuinely don't know. Uh, what that can do to a driver's confidence. So really genuinely difficult to watch. And Tom, what, what do you think they'll do between now and Greece? Because we saw in that penultimate stage, big off for Formo. I mean, not big in the context of his Monty off at the beginning of the year, but it was, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, you know, he, a, a telegraph pole, they don't tend to move too much. Um, you saw the cables come sort of flinging down. So there'll be, <laughs> there'll be repairs to yeah. do there. Someone gets their broadband back up in a couple of days. But, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like, they, they they cut to uh, on the live coverage. Rich Milner and I. I can't use the audio because I'm, I'm sure if we asked, they'd let us. But um, you know, a quick interview with him, and he was just sort of doing that politician's thing of being like, right, it's too early to make comment, you know. But 
he sort of did say, look, you know, at this stage of the rally, you have one job, you know, and it's that sort of, you know, Twitter meme, you had one job and you failed it, like on stage 19 and, you, you know, you're going off the road. What What's it going to be like at headquarters, do, do you think, this week and next week? And, and is it time for a summit? Oh, there'll, there'll definitely be something of that nature, I'd have thought. They have to sit down and work out what they're going to do here. Um, yeah, I don't think I'd want to be in that uh, in that room, or uh, maybe I should, because I think there'll be some interesting uh, comments. Uh, but um, yeah, yeah, it's it's such a challenge for them because they're you know they're they're running a slightly different model as we've highlighted there with the other two teams. You know, they're having to. You know they have a customer program as well, which is bringing in some some money. So they've got, for example, like Jordan said, Aridis uh, is a you know he's bought one of these Pumas. So you know there's money coming in through selling cars to privateer and sort of you know uh, gentleman drivers, I suppose is the old phrase that we'd use. But um, yeah, so yeah, I don't I, I don't know. I think they've just got to be open and, and honest with with that the situation. Uh, but I mean, what do you do? I mean, there's probably nothing you can really do mid-season. As I said, I don't, and I don't think benching drivers is the right way to go about it. I don't think that really works. But maybe they've just got to sit down and go like, this is this is it. this is the final. Like, there's maybe there's an ultimatum or something. I don't know. Maybe this is this is what you've got to do. If this doesn't happen, you're not here next year or whatever. Like, I don't know. I, I it's such a difficult. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. But they have got to start thinking about the future because mm-hmm. they've got to. They, maybe they just write this year off and they they put their eggs into a different basket for next year. See if they can attract someone else to the team. I don't know. Maybe they've already said they need a, a second experienced head to help Craig uh, as team leader. Uh, so that you know, maybe they really start to go down that avenue and see who is available and see if they can attract someone to come in because let's be honest and as rich said uh, you know the car isn't bad the car is not bad um it might not be as developed as some of the others but it it's won a rally it's not a bad bit of kit it can in the right hands it's got it it can deliver so it's it's hard it's a hard situation because a lot of those obviously gus and and adrian are quite young drivers so and we've you know we've seen in the past it takes a while for some drivers to really hit their peak. And I know sort of Cali has kind of destroyed that with his uh, sort of coming in and, and dominating at 21 years old. But historically, drivers do tend to take a bit more time to to get there and find their feet. So, you know, Adrian, this is only his, what, second full season in WRC, Gus, similar. So those two are very young in their WRC careers. Craig, obviously, this is his first full-time campaign. He's done a lot of rallies, but this is his first full-time campaign. So, yeah, um, you could you could you could argue that they need to sort of lay lay off their drivers a little bit, but it's a business at the end of the day, isn't it? And so you've got to you've got to deliver to keep this thing going. So mm. it's a it, it's going to be some interesting few days, I think. Uh, the other problem they've got is is Greece. They're planning to run six Pumas. And whether the, there is enough or whether they can turn around six cars after all the damage that's happened in in uh, Belgium remains to be seen. So, uh, yeah, an interesting week, I'd say, for for uh, the Dubbenby Hall uh, team, mm. shall we say. There'll be um, a lot of talk and a lot of discussion. 
we've on this podcast talked already about supply chains uh, in the global automotive world, motorsport world, um, and sometimes it can be you know that that one or two pound clip hose washer that does a very specific part uh, or job rather um, that can cripple you you know rather than oh we can't get that you know exhaust whatever you know specially made so um, damage is not uh, to be taken lightly um, that's actually a really serious issue for the teams not only rebuilding cars uh, but also working on next year's as well let's move forward look it's coming thick and fast that doesn't help them either there's not like a month off now uh, to regroup we go thick and fast into Acropolis Rally Greece the rough gravel of Greece couldn't be any more different um, than the weekend we've just had title races down to 72 points uh, what are you boys uh, thinking about Greece and the title race I'm actually fascinated still to see how Cali responds I know in in a sense we've we've had the reaction the very next morning he he won the first stage back in action on the Saturday morning so and then obviously he went and did the one job that he could do to salvage something uh, points wise from the weekend which was to win the power stage which which he managed to achieve so obviously you can argue that this this point is is semi irrelevant because he's already bounced back from it but I'm talking about in a in a full full pressure scenario where he can still win the rally because uh Cali is very no nonsense. He, 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 by his own admission, he said he struggled to sort of focus and have the normal drive that he does because he wants to win. That's what he's there for, and that's let's be honest, that's what he's used to doing, um, especially this season. So, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see how he fares in a, in a full pressure scenario again after having sort of you know, like Tom said, realizing that after all all these superhuman performances, he can make a mistake and he is human after all. Um, so yeah, I'm really interested to see that. Really interested to see how um, Thierry bounces back. Um, like Tom said, his reaction in front of his home crowd was superbly managed, I think, from an emotional perspective. But how does that then change when he's back in the car? Um, I think he was pretty aware that this was his best opportunity at a victory this year. Um and we've seen how, how good Oit is on multiple surfaces now. So that'll be tricky for him and also interesting to see how Tanak goes and if he can continue this run of form because, let's be honest, heading into Finland, uh, the, the the home hero and the fan favourite was the rally favourite. You really wouldn't have bet, betted against Cali that weekend, but it was Oit who came out on top. So, yeah, I think we've got a really interesting uh, uh, fight for the victory there. We've also got Sebastian Loeb back in the Acropolis, uh, a three-time Acropolis winner. So no slouch there. So that's one thing that M Sport can at least sort of hang their hat on uh, as something positive to look forward to because they've got the nine-time world champion uh, back uh, at an event that he's obviously won a fair, you know, three times, as I said. So, um, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Where How he factors in the sort of overall sort of battle for the lead as well will be another sort of factor to, to look at. And and Cali obviously won Acropolis last year, uh, his second ever WRC win. So he goes well there. Um, but as, as have said, it'd be interesting to see just how well he will go because there's clearly a bit more, there's a bit more, pre- I know he's got a massive lead, but there is a little bit more sort of pressure brewing uh, sort of behind. I know he doesn't need to win these rallies, but he will want to try and go and win it. I think personally, I think the championship will be sewn up in New Zealand. I think he'll oh, do it. Oh, interesting. There. Okay. Yeah. I don't think he'll... I mean, obviously, we are talking... We're, we're, we're looking into a crystal ball. We don't know what's going to happen, but 
you know, if 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 obviously now Oit uh, has got himself in a very sort of comfortable second place in the championship, Hyundai will be putting you'd have thought be putting all their weight behind Tanak uh, now because there's no way that you know he's their best chance if they want to try and pull off this slimmest of slimmest hopes of winning the championship. They will be putting their eggs in in you'd have thought in the Oit basket. So yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. So I think, yeah, if Oiton, if Oiton and Thierry have trouble, then obviously there's a good chance Cali can, can start the title because he could have done that uh, in Belgium, although I would need to check my maths on that one. But <laughs> at this point, I think if we're being uh, probably most realistic, you'd say New Zealand, I think, is probably the best bet. And let's remember, New Zealand will be new to most of the field. So Yeah, uh, so for the last 10 years or so. Yeah. Um, and actually, we are uh, sticking you on a plane to Auckland or somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The Re- uh, Repco Rally New Zealand in uh, three weeks, I think it is, after, after Greece. So again, things like damage and parts. Again, it all plays in when you're shipping them, especially if you're based in the UK, halfway around the world. Uh, but we are sending you to that. You're looking forward to it? Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've worked in New Zealand for a few years so uh, I know I know Auckland quite well and, and uh, some of the areas so it's a lovely part of the world to, to work in so to get the opportunity to go back and see some old faces that, that I used to work with was will be pretty cool I think the jet lag will perhaps not be fun um, so we'll see and uh, but it might uh, it might I think it's going to be an interesting rally. We've got a couple of cool little stories there. Obviously, uh, there'll be a couple of Kiwis that will be in the mix, not in the rally ones, but certainly in WRC2 that will be worth watching. Uh, we've got, we'll have supercars champion Shane Van Gisbergen having a go at rallying. Um, he can pretty much drive at the wheels off anything. So I'm fully <laughs> expecting him to, to, uh, to be right at the sharp end and cause some problems because he's, he's another one of those guys that literally, you throw him any car, he'll he'll perform. So um, yeah, the, New Zealand will be a really nice rally. It's it's a quite a historical one, you know, one that goes back a few years. That there's been a lot of historical moments there. Colin McRae labelled it as one of his favourites. So yeah, it. I think there's a lot of excitement for New Zealand, not just uh, sort of not just for me, but for from anyone in WRC because it's there's some lovely gravel stages. And uh, current Aussie rally champion Harry Bates making his uh, debut next month as well uh, in WRC2. So loads of storylines there, but let's get Greece out of the way first of all. It's going to be fantastic as we count down to that. Guys, thank you so much. Uh, The battle continues and we can't wait to follow it. Uh, As Tom mentioned, make sure you stay tuned to the Gravel Notes podcast. Uh, Make sure you are subscribed to the Gravel Notes uh, sort of iTunes feed on Google, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, because uh, we're going to do some... um, special programs over the next few weeks around Tom's uh, exploits. Uh, we'll call them and talk about co-driving. So uh, make sure you- Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Go subscribe and look out for all of our new podcasts as well. Thank you very much for listening uh, to another podcast, and we'll see you on the next one. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The, is it morning yet, deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Wake up with a little splash of sweetness. Get any size iced coffee from caramel to hazelnut to French vanilla for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.